The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everyone, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going, Matt? Oh, going wonderful. Words can't describe it. And for those of you listening this week, if you had uh in the pool of how he feels this week, take a shot. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a game that uh, some of the guys love to play is how is Joe going to start the show off? Is it going to be uh or, well, you know. <laughs> I heard there was the you know drinking game, so. <laughs> uh, we're coming into... Against All Odds this Sunday, the 20th. It's going to be at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time uh, is the bell time. There'll be a pre-show. Uh, so if you're coming down to the Silver Nugget, get there early. Uh, meet and greets, I believe, are at 3.30 as well. So, um, you know, plan a, a nice little day out. And if you're not here in Vegas, uh, you can watch on Fight TV. Uh, fourteen ninety nine, and it's available for pre-order now. Is there anything this week, Joe, that you're uh, on the fence about? Anything that you're a little nervous about? Or is it all kind of just going as it usually does in a, uh, you know, production week, a, a show week? You know, it, it always ends up going the way ex- you ex- exactly expect it to go. It's just all of a sudden the show's right on you. You know, when you think you have so much time and and you want to get everything out there and the promotion, and it's like the Fight TV thing. It finally went up on Monday. And it's right. like, hey, bro, you know, I sent you this stuff three weeks ago. Oh, well, there was the new agreement. We wanted you to sign it. I'm like, well, I didn't get it till like the day before on the Saturday. Like, what's the difference? I gave you, I gave you the flyers and posters we're signing a new agreement, and if, even if we didn't sign a new agreement, it's still in place. It isn't like, oh, no, we're not allowed to uh, offer the show on Fight TV without an updated uh, contract. Well, right. from what I understand, the contract was supposed to be updated six months ago, and we've run enough pay-per-views. So there's no excuse for it not to be available, especially this month when we're trying to push, hey – Order, order the pay-per-view, and we're going to give you a month of the network free. You know, we're hoping, you know, in January we can start doing some new things on the network and and kind of banding a little uh, different ideas, <clears throat> you know, for it. So if it gives everybody the opportunity, especially with how hot, you know, Solo Sokoa, Cross coming back, you know, you can see all those archives and Brian Cage getting a lot of love in AEW recently, and Toa Leona there, not having a ton of matches, but a lot of his matches are from FSW because that's where he kind of got his start. 
So right. Zoe Stark and things like that. So you can catch up on all that. You can catch up on the pay-per-views. You know, there's so many different things. And uh, and original stuff that, you know, some of the guys have uh, tried and, and, you know, was and, fairly entertaining stuff. Yeah, I guess, you know, some of it. <laughs> Some of it's uh, miserable. Some of it is miserable as fuck. But hey, you know, everybody got, has different opinions of things they like and dislike. Like you know, hey, take a take a shot. I said, you know, <laughs> like a Ricky Tenacious. You know, there are actually some fans who enjoy his little spiel before his match. Right. And sometimes I think, ugh. Here he goes. <laughs> Got to be annoyed. But even I've been enamored sometimes with like, hey, that was pretty creative, you know? That's the one thing about, and I think that, that goes for guys like Ricky um, who can take other things and bring it into the character and create something that's a little more unique than what other guys out there are doing. I don't think there's anyone else off the top of my head that I can think of around the country who is, you know, essentially uh, one of the most confident yet awful lounge singer types, karaoke singer types that comes up with these great, that entrance that he did for the ladder match was hysterical. And he put his heart and soul into that. It was great. Oh, are you waiting for a response? Well, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, there are times it's entertaining and there's times to me it's not, but it's a, it's a shtick that's really working for him. Yeah. He was always a guy that people didn't like anyway and rubbed right. the people the wrong way. So you, you, you need those guys on the show, you know, entertainment value. It's. Right. You know, Santana Jackson, he brings something totally different. You know, is he going to give you the Matt Vandegrift match of the night? Most likely not. But sometimes his segment may step out when we've done stuff in the past, like the Moonwalk DDT when it was first, you know, brought out. It was something that everybody remembers where they were. When yeah. they did that, and I, oh Santana Jackson, yeah, I was uh, I was at that I was at that show where he did the Moonwalk DDT, and it was all over everywhere, you know, ESPN, and you know, I was getting all these things sent to me as if they were going to make me money, like, hey, we want to get the rights. Here's, you know, we're going to sign it over, and it's like, okay, <laughs> um. You know, Ricky and Santana are both going to be in the uh, battle royal at Against All Odds. Um, the Rumble. It's not a battle rumble. royal. Battle royal is everybody in at the same time and then getting tossed over. Right. Man. Right. You're, you're you know, right. Be a wrestling journalist. You know, let people know the, the exact match that it is. Well, that brings up a, a great point with that. Um when you look at how you try to time out a rumble because of the entrances guys like Santana and Ricky, does that kind of 
take up that time. So, you know, because it's obviously they're going to come into just a little bit something different than, you know, a Jordan Oasis or a Matt Vandegrift or someone, you know, who's coming in to their regular theme. How do you compensate for that in terms of putting together in your mind how it should play out timing? Well, we don't. It's a minute in between entrances. Now, if you want to take 52 seconds to do an entrance, just don't go over the other guy's entrance. Right. Then I'll be pissed off. Right. Um, and with, with the fans and having, you know, the reactions that you want, is, is there a key that you look at and go, how, how do I thread this story so that when we get to the end point, the fans will give me the reaction that we need to get because it's going into a championship match against Hammerstone, which I think is such a key thing here because most Rumbles, you win it, maybe you get a title shot down the line or something. Here, it's going to be that match that night. So is there a, a how do you get to that point where the crowd is then excited for that match at the end of the night? Well, you know, going over past years, I'm pretty sure, because I remember having a cross on commentary, a hammerstone on commentary during these matches. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm almost certain Matt Hardy was on commentary. Maybe it wasn't for that. You know, maybe it was for a different match. But utilizing that in a situation, Hammerstone has to sit and and wait to see who wins the Rumble, which, of course, is going to open the show. Right. So it was a little different. Last year, because of the pandemic and we finally did the first big show, we actually did the main event the next night. So we had the Rumble, uh, the Fallout, which was Juicy and EC3 stepping out at the same time, uh, trying to position uh, MK and the Army to win win the championship. But unfortunately for MK, uh, his mouth uh, cashed, didn't wasn't able to cash the check for EC3, and ended up costing him the match. But on this show, it it happens today. And the main event happens later. So, like, I'm almost certain Hammerstone wasn't even in the building the first night. But even in L.A. night, I remember uh, Eli Drake on commentary because he was always entertaining when he was our champ. Pretty sure he might have been a guy. And a lot of times there's confrontations. A semi-congratulatory thing you know, Hammerstone comes out to shove the face in Chris Bay's face or the belt in his face oh, yeah. and uh, says, good luck, kid. You know, you ain't getting this tonight. And one time Hammerstone was right and the second time Hammerstone was wrong. So, but it did occur. So hopefully uh, the crowd will be happy to see who wins the rumble to take on hammerstone it's a little more difficult when you have the baby face as the champion instead of the heel because if now 
one of your most favorite guys wins, it's like, okay, well, do you like Hammerstone more? Right. Or if a heel wins, you don't, you're not going to root for that guy anyway. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that we're, we're going to have a very exciting final five and, you know, let the best man win. They're, they're, there's a lot of great talent in that mix. Yeah. Uh, when you look at uh, Masters, Carlito, um, you know, guys like that, Sam Adonis, uh, is there is there a temptation as a promoter to automatically just think of one of those guys as okay, well, this automatically would be a, a great match with Hammerstone, and Hammerstone's never uh, worked, let's say, you know, so and so. Does that come into a factor that you have bigger name guys and the possibility of matching them up against a guy like Hammerstone, who, you know, for him, it's, you know, and again, another step up uh, to have those types of matches under his belt? You try to take into consideration everything, but most importantly, it's what's best for my show. Right. If what's best for my show is also, hey, a great opportunity for Hammerstone to wrestle, you know, somebody from the bucket list. If we can make that happen, absolutely. But if it doesn't make sense for what, what we're trying to do, then my show is going to outweigh my desire to make Hammerstone get what he wants. Right. Because the bottom line is Hammerstone is going to do whatever I ask and he's going to do it to the best of his abilities. And no matter who it is, he's going to try and make it work because he's a true professional. Right. But there's a lot of guys in there that would be a great match. I, I've seen Damian Drake and Hammerstone have a great match. I've seen, you know, Remy Marcel and, and Hammerstone have a great match. Right. I saw Hammerstone supposed to wrestle Toa. Toa couldn't make it for an AEW thing, and, and Cutthroat Cody got put in there. And right. they had a great match. So the one constant is Hammerstone's going to have a really good match with a lot of people. So yeah. would I love to see Hammerstone wrestle, you know, there's probably 15 guys that I would enjoy. I, I'd like to see Hammerstone versus Hero Lou. Yeah. You know, that has happened, but that was a few years back when, when Hero was way greener. And, right. you know, not at the confident level that he has as the tag champ. So yeah. Shogun didn't get revenge from when Hammerstone and Graves laid him out. Right. And he lost his opportunity when he actually did go through the rumble and win. Right. And then, of course, you got the Adonises and the Carlitos and the Chris Masters and the Toas. You know, the guys that, you know, Toa's a little different. Toa's still our guy per se, but he didn't have the run for as long as we would have liked because they scooped him up quicker than we expected him to do. Right. You know, similar to Solo Sokoa, like, you know, that there was a big a good chance of him winning the against all odds rumble and wrestling Hammerstone because 
I think that would have been the marquee match. Yeah. And they had their history from when Graves turned on Hammer, uh, turned on Solo to realign with Hammerstone. Right. And Hammerstone beat Solo to win the Nevada State title. So, you know, there's a late, a lot of guys that you want to see. But then there's also a good group of the younger up-and-coming guys that, hey, you know, it'd be interesting to see. As I said, a hero, Lou. Ice Williams wants to get back into the mix. You know, you have the faction. If the four of them are in there, they could do a good job cleaning house. Right. So the opportunities are there for a numerous amount of guys. Now, I'm pretty sure the fans would pop to see Bodie wrestling for the heavyweight championship against Hammerstone. But man, if Bodie gets through that group of 29 guys, that that's pretty impressive. So, yeah. and now it's the luck of the draw. There's nobody who started at one. Unless Chris Bay did, you know, I don't know when he, he started, but it, it's very rare that somebody's going to start in the one, two spot. And they're going to go all the way. Right. So. Um, when you, when you look at, um, you know, you said, let's say Bodie. I'm taking this just out of curiosity with Bodie's age in play being that he's just 15. What is it like for you to do you do you want to give Bodie that opportunity at some point, even if it's not for the championship, to wrestle a Hammerstone, just to kind of see where he's at at some point within the next few years as he's, you know, kind of going through now that that development of you know fifteen to twenty one years old. Um, is it is it? Something that he, you, he might not be around here when he's 21. <laughs> true, true. Um, but that's the question, I guess, is with the time that you have with him now, do you do you think about having, even if it's you know an opportunity at a future shock, but for him to wrestle a guy like Hammerstone, um, just to have that experience of wrestling a guy who is so professional and so fluid that you know it hopefully builds Bodie's confidence as he's you know going to be going through a lot of different you know opportunities and changes within the next five years of his life. I thought you were going to say puberty, you know. <laughs> well, I, I'm assuming he's already the the thing is it's like he's had his opportunities. He's wrestled the Gregory Sharp, he's wrestled the Matt Vandergriff. He's wrestled Damian Drake. He's wrestled Funny Bone, Brandon Gatson, Eli Everfly. So I don't think there's anything to go say, hey, Bodie needs to work him because he needs to prove himself. I think he proves himself every time he's in the ring. And every time he gets in the ring, you could see he's, he's getting bigger. He's getting better. He's getting more confident. You know, he'll sit there and... Hey, what are we doing here? What do you know? We, what do you think about this, that, and the other thing? It's like 
instead of being just the kid who sat back and is being told what to do, now he's in a position to where he's talking to a 28-year-old who he has more experience in the ring with, and he's dictating uh, what they need to do to make the match worthwhile. So he has had, you know, great mentorship, you know, between a Sin Bodie and a Cody and and around Kenny and, and, and all these guys he's around because they see this young kid and they want to help him. They're like, wow, this kid is amazing that he's doing what he could do at his age. And as good as he was, as fun as he was a year ago, he's so much better right now. Right from when he actually just started being put on shows. I was very hesitant and I put him in very, you know, small spots, you know, hide the weaknesses, give this young kid who can do some cool things an opportunity to do those things, putting him in a tag with Sin Bodhi, putting him in a a tag with Remy Marcel, where him shining is is the key to the match. Right. It's not him getting, you know, thrown around, which unfortunately I've seen in other places. Sure. Because they're looking at him as the flavor of the month, the young prodigy. Let's get him on our show. And it looks good when our guy beats him. Right. While I've always gone out of my way and get a little irritated when I I try to protect him. And unfortunately, he's young, he's impressionable, he wants to work. So right. when somebody says, oh, hey, bro, I saw your stuff, man, I, uh, I want to use you. Here's, here's a few bucks. Wow, now he's getting paid. And he's getting to be highlighted elsewhere. Now, right. all of a sudden, it makes you, you know, you're 15 years old. I, I wouldn't say it's an ego thing, but it's an ego thing. You know, sure. you feel like, hey, I, I've kind of made it. Like that place over there wants me and that place over there wants me. But I've tried to, you know, calm him down a bit and, and explain to him the values of working other shows. In some cases, it's great. But in some cases, when your guy, when you're working, Guys that you're 15 years old that aren't even close to your skill level, it doesn't really help you in any way. And, you know, you're going to take so many bumps. And when you're starting at 14, that brings the time frame down. So pick and choose those matches because you're always going to be bumping around. You're always going to have an opportunity to get popped on your head. Right. So... Be in there with the best you can be because that at least eliminates that possible opportunity. You know, he wrestled with Funny Bone and and, and he kind of got fucked up a little bit. Right. So Funny Bone's been doing it for 20 years. But at least you know you have the track record of a guy who's been doing it 20 years. When you're doing it with a guy who's been not doing it 20 months and right. – you're noticing this guy's not getting booked in a lot of places. So how safe is he? Right. You know, nobody's going to go deliberately go out there to try to hurt you, 
but he's not just anybody. If he was 23 years old and there was 20 guys like him, it's a different story. He's 15, needs to be protected, needs to not need to work three times a week, 12 times a month. And, you know, 140 times a year, you know, take important matches, take matches that are going to help you down the road, but also limit, Hey, you're a little banged up. You don't wrestle that day. Right. You know, you're not 28. You fought through the injuries. You're 15. You're still growing. Right. Be as careful as you can be. And, and, then what, take, and take advantage when you do get a great opportunity like, hey, Sammy Callahan sees you on our show and says, hey, I want to use this kid in the scramble. Well, you know, he's going to be protected. He's going to go in with Billy Starks, another young phenom. Yeah. And, you know, it's fun to see the Nick Waynes and the Mathers and these younger kids. That's because that's what they are. They're kids still. Yeah. Yeah, which you 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 know you didn't see uh, even five years ago. You know, it's right? Kind of- Van- Vandergrift's an old man now that he's twenty five. <laughs> uh, for you as a promoter, then let me ask you. Um, you kind of mentioned the idea of okay, you go somewhere else, you get paid. For you, at what point do you have to look at it and go, okay? he's at a point now and this would be with other wrestlers too who are you know who have trained who are are getting that uh little bit of that push getting things going at what point do you go okay now i have to open my pocketbook up a little bit more so that at least they're getting compensated what you feel is you know something that is um fair enough for them to you know give you the work that you want to see them do as opposed to them, you know, chasing paydays elsewhere. Um, so that it kind of, you know, brings them in a little bit, I guess. Um, how do you deal with that in terms of essentially your budget having to expand over the years when you have guys like this who are progressing at the rate a guy like Bodie progressed at? I think I've grown up a lot in, in, in that manner. Because, you know, the first few years in, you know, when we trained you and and to this day, I, I still remember that you're, you know, two months behind or you didn't pay for three months and I let you slide and all that. And at some points it would really piss me off like this motherfucker, you know, didn't pay for four months and now he's crying about getting paid. And it's like, well, how about we do it this way? And, you know, it comes down to the factoring of how we do things. And, you know, I've explained it before, you know, you pay your dues and then the dues kind of drop. And then when you're part of doing things, hey, this is the school show. So instead of paying your dues, we're going to call it a wash. You train whenever you want and you do the school show for free. Then eventually you reach a level to where the Shoguns, the Heroes, the Ice Williams, the the younger guys that started with you that were trainees, 
you have to give them some money because right. in some issues, some people are upset because they see somebody else get an envelope and they feel they're deserving of one. And it's like, you do understand that all schools have a gym fee. So if I'm going to charge you a gym fee, but I don't use you this month because you're booked somewhere else and I didn't need you on the second show, you're now going to still pay me, say, 50 bucks instead of getting that money back from a show. Now, right. we can do it that way, but then if I don't book you, now you're going to owe me the money. If I do book you, you're not getting anything. So if you're not okay with that, then we we can go that route. And some people are more than okay. And, and I try to be upfront and speak to people and explain things to them. Now, some people don't want to hear it. Some people don't give a fuck. Oh, that place over there, they pay me. Uh, I can go to Marquez and that guy, they give me 50 bucks. And it's like, well, you had to drive all the way there. You had to drive all the way back. You had to stop and spend 12 bucks for your Subway sandwich and your soda. Right. Now, gas is pretty expensive these days. So if somebody's throwing you 30 bucks or 40 bucks and you're going all the way to Arizona, did you make anything? Right. Now, did you go there and you wrestled a hell of a talent that whether you got paid or not, it was worth going? Because that's all the situation here where you don't you, you just basically flop out of bed, get in a car, drive 10 minutes and you work in the show. Right. And in some cases, you're working really good matches. And I've seen guys who have the best sense. And, you know, Chris Bay's perfect example that a Hammerstone would drive from Arizona knew about the opportunities that he was going to get. Right. Money was never a concern. I have never talked in reality money with a guy like Hammerstone or Bay. It's kind of like as they progressed, Chris Bay is the perfect example. He skyrocketed quick. So right. even though he may have been behind on dues and things like that, it was still important to keep a good relationship. And here was a guy who was struggling financially anyway, right. that it was beneficial for me to make sure I took care of him a little bit because he also knew that I did a lot of good things for him. You know, he'll be the first person to tell you, you know, he always credits everything that I've done for him as an important part of his, his growth and development. So it's not exposing anything, but it's also like, okay, well, what are you getting here? And then I'd be like, well, Hey, I can do this. And even, you know, when we did shows, I remember before the pandemic and he wrestled uh, Tessa Blanchard at the uh, at the toy con. Right. And, you know, we kind of had an understanding that at the bigger shows, I would take care of him at that point. And it was like, well, is this a big show? And he'd be like, hey, you know, what can you do for this show? And I'm like, I can do this. And. 10 out of 10 times, his response has always been, okay. Sure. He's never been like, hey, bro, you know, you need to throw me another 100 bucks, another 200 bucks. Hey, you're paying that guy who's flying in X amount of dollars in a flight. 
he understands what we're trying to do. He understands right. that I'm paying this money, not for me. I'm paying this money to give him a great opportunity to have a big match that sometimes the name may have a lot of value in the wrestling world, but not have a lot of value in say people going out of their way to buy tickets because of that person. Right. Where they know they're going to get a great match, but they weren't going to be like, Oh, I wasn't going to the show, but because he's on it, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. Sure. So it takes into a lot of consideration. So getting back to the initial point, yeah, you have to see where you're at and what people are doing. And it was the same relationships coming out of a Damian Drake, a Gregory Sharp, a Matt Vandergriff, Jay Vidal, who was struggling and was kind of like, hey, he was kind of a Sin Bodhi guy. So he came in on, on his dime. And right. at that time, Sin had his own, you know, group of students that paid him to train and we would get a percentage of him training our guys not training our guys he'd get a percentage because he was training the class but they were considered his guys like right. the sky highs of the world when they first came in because sin had his own place so with jay vidal and all those other ones it would be like okay, I get kicked back X amount of dollars from their dues because they are training at our facility with other trainers. You can't keep all the money, obviously, because we're paying rent, we're paying insurance. You know, it was making him understand that when you get paid this amount of money, you get to keep this amount of money. When I get paid this amount of money, I have to pay the rent, I have to pay the power, I have to pay the insurance. So we only get to keep a portion of that and stick in our pockets. Right. So in a Jay Vidal situation, it would be like, hey, you have to talk to Sin about lowering your rate. But to start, I'll waive my percentage. Sure. Which might be in, which was probably about a third. And at that time, he's probably paying a couple hundred bucks a month. And I felt he had a lot more experience than new people that were coming in for the 200 and 250 a month. And I personally thought it was unfair that you would charge that guy the same amount that you were charging a kid that just walked in the door. You know, he had three years of training with Gangrel. He was right. already being placed on shows. So if he was my student, I would have charged him way less. So at the one point during the pandemic, Jay moved back to Florida just because of financial situations couldn't pay the dues, had the family because couldn't really pay rent in Vegas. So it was pointless. So he went back home and I continually kept in contact with him. And then he came back and, and you know, sky became the limit right. for him. So he's another one who I'm pretty certain is extremely grateful that I went out of my way to try to accommodate him and do what was best for him. Yeah. So, so he, he's another guy that doesn't question if I give him money. And of course now I always give him money, Sure, but I wouldn't be shocked if I said to him, Hey, the gate really sucked today. I'm not paying you. I'm pretty sure he'd be like, okay with it. But right. I understand 
that if I have a budget and I've always said, if this is the budget and you're getting paid this amount of money and I have you penciled in for that, I don't give a fuck how much money I lose. You're still getting that money. Right. Because it's a long-term thing. And that's the problem with a lot of promoters that, oh, well, we didn't do good in the gate. Well, when we go to a casino show, I have envelopes taped shut with everybody's name on it. And, okay, it's a little different now because we get the PayPal money and a lot of the money comes in so you can take it out of the bank. But even back in the day when it was 95% cash, that money was already paid for. And in the beginning when we didn't have a bank account with $10,000 in funds uh, for a $3,000 show, back when we were flying by the seat of our pants, and it was, oh, shit, we're 400 short on the rent. Here we go. Because we didn't have a nest egg. But if you were getting 50 bucks or you were getting 250 bucks, your envelope was already pretty much made before the show even started and before I collected any of the money at the door. Yeah. So, you know, and that's the way I've always done business. But some people say, hey, you're doing business like, you know, a small time guy. Well, I look at it as I'm doing it as this. I guess you could say local yokel kind of thing. And if somebody didn't have the money to pay for a ticket today, which I would deal with all the time, Hey, can I catch you in two weeks? Hey, I get my check next week. And it's like, you've got a 50 shows. If you beat me for that 60 bucks, I'm okay. You've been a, you've been a valuable fan to us for a long time. Right. Because if you don't pay it, you know you're not coming in the next show without paying what you owe. Right. So I would rather never lose a customer or never lose a fan. So school shows different than the casino shows. And the most important thing is in that situation that you asked is you make people aware of the reasoning behind it. Like, oh, if you think you should be paid – I will sit down with you and I will explain to you the way the situation is. And if we disagree on it, because I've been, I've been okay with, Hey, Tito and Shay, they're out of town guys. Hey, we're working for this amount, man, Joe, you know, we love working for you. Any chance you can go to this. And it's like, well, if I go to that, I really got to give Hammerstone more money because I pay him not that kind of money. Right. And not that it's great, but I understand you need more money. How about on the school shows? I give you this, but on the casino show, I give you that. And if you can't communicate, well, you're never going to do anything in the business. If you communicate to me your issues instead of just being pissed off about it, well, we can try and work it out. And now we've had other issues where I didn't think the person was of the value that they thought they were. And it was like, well, this is what I can do. And you're not happy with that. So what we're going to do is good luck. And in the future, and believe me, we've had that with guys. We had that with the, with Kevin cross where he started making really good money elsewhere. And at that point I, it wasn't affordable to the budget. And he didn't want to miss out on his triple a money or his impact. 
But after a while, it was like, hey, you know what? FSW had done a lot for me. Hey, they remember when I didn't pay my dues that time. And, you know, I'm going to give Joe a better deal. And it's the same thing with the other guys. You know, there are times people go away for a while because they need to sow their oats like the 1% West Coast Wrecking Crew. You know, Royce got a little bit of a role. He was in NWA. Then it was a guy who had to book him through there. And then all of a sudden, I'm supposed to pay him more money than I would have had to pay him at the Mecca two months ago because it was going through the office. And it wasn't any heat, but he understood I couldn't really use him to pay him that at a school show because that would be like three times the amount I was paying a Hammerstone. And at the time, Lagana was running the uh, the bookings for the NWA. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you are, Joe, blah, 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 blah. You know, this is what we're looking at. And it's like you can't explain, hey, this is a school show with 80 people. This is a casino show with 480 people. You know, we have different budgets for different rates. So they they didn't care the reasoning behind why that show was less than the other show. Right. So sometimes it, it just ends up being that you can't do business with with people that you thoroughly enjoy and like because yeah. you know th- they're priced out of it. Yeah. You know, we love Brian Cage, but it, it's it's a it's a rare occasion that we can use him one you know one show we got a guy who sponsored cage so he paid you know half his rate and then we got another one at the last show where they 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 covered some money from it and the thing was it's a mecca so this is the budget right now if you're way out of my budget but you still fit into the budget of the entirety of the show and i think you're going to have value then then we're going to use you but I can't use Brian Cage at a school show. Yeah. He would cost more than the entire, you know, than the entire locker room. Right. And that's that's nothing on Brian. Brian's making a good salary in AEW. He doesn't have to wrestle. He loves to wrestle. Right. But he wants to make sure he's compensated because just in case he gets hurt, yeah. then what? Hey, we're calling you in. We need you to AEW tonight. You're working in this uh, tournament eliminator. And we're having you go over Dante Martin. Oh, sorry, I can't. Uh, I worked FSW this past week, and I fucked up my ankle, and I'm out for three months. Right. You know, then what? Which is is also a very fascinating thing in terms of uh, AEW impact, uh, you know, these... um, these companies that allow the guys to do independent shows... Um, obviously WWE, everyone's protected because no one's wrestling outside the system. Um, and, and they're the only ones who consistently do house shows. So it isn't when you're on TV or you're not on at all. So right. it's, it, it, it's a weird situation because in WWE, you have a contract. In AEW, you have a contract. And in Impact, you have a contract. But in a lot of cases, it's contracted based on your appearances. Well, if we're only taping AEW style, which might be six days a month, well, then you're getting paid six days a month if you're on a a daily, you know, on a per show basis. Impact, I know numerous guys who are on a per show basis. And then I know guys who in the past, like a Willie Mack, he was on a contract, whether he wrestled or not. 
So when I would call D'Lo and say, hey, we want Willie Mack on the show because I can't call Willie and say, hey, Willie, can you work the show? He'll be like, you got to talk to the office because they handle his bookings because Willie Mack is paid a weekly contract regardless of how many dates. Now, the dates probably specify, hey, you got 50 dates with us for X amount of dollars. Well, when you only had worked 22 dates this year and now you want a 23rd date, that company, meaning FSW, has to pay the office of Impact Wrestling. And then Willie Mack comes in and wrestles. And then Willie Mack, per se, doesn't get paid for that appearance. But he really did get paid for the appearance because he's getting a weekly contract. Yeah. Whether he works five shows or one show or zero shows, he's still making that X amount of dollars every single month. Right. So, you know, that's why it's it's a weird situation. So in most cases, you're not John Moxley. You're not Chris Jericho. You're not Brian Danielson. You're not CM Punk was. You're not the Young Bucks Omega. They right. are locked, signed, sealed, and delivered. Like Moxley wasn't until recently. And right. the only place you could work were the was AEW. But you would also see a hundred other of those guys working elsewhere. Why? Right. Because they're only working three to five days a month. And they're only getting paid for three, five days a month. And even if they're getting a grand a day, you know, five thousand dollars a month isn't uh making you a millionaire anytime soon. Right. So you have to go out and supplement yeah. and fill in your other six to eight dates. And now you got 15 dates and you can work your new Japan. You know, look at all these guys that Chris Bay. Now he's got his impact gig. Now he's going to Japan and now he's working there and he'll be yeah. gone. But Japan ain't going to be like, Hey, we're going to pay you that uh, impact wrestling contract of X amount of dollars per show. Right. Well, what do you mean? I'm there for 10 days and I'm only working four shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's the structure of the company that you're in. Yeah. And which uh, that's a great, uh, great segue to mention that Chris is over right now with uh, Ace Austin in Japan. They're uh, I think the uh, Super J Cup uh, tag team tournament starts either today or tomorrow. It's Monday. It's- Monday, yeah, so. yeah, because we almost thought we were gonna have Chris, and then it turned out that he was flying out like two days before, or something yeah. like that. So, uh, when you when you look at um, that opportunity that Chris is getting, which is very high profile and very uh, distinguished, um, what is it that FSW has that you guys? give to guys like Chris Bay in terms of giving them that um, that readiness, that preparedness, that when these opportunities continue to keep coming to them, that they're able to, uh, you know, go over to Japan and adapt for the, the week or two weeks or three weeks or sometimes, you know, three, four months um, when you have to be in a different country, when you're, um, you know, and I know if you look at Bay, another example for him is it's it's flight after flight after flight um, because you're working yourself around the country. 
how do you guys prepare these guys for getting used to what that life is like and not uh, not flubbing the opportunities when they get them because they're prepared for uh, practically everything that they can see, uh, you know, come up in a situation of being either overseas or, you know, uh, even, you know, having flight issues or, you know, the, the stuff in life that comes up alongside being a professional wrestler. I always try to tell everybody the number one thing that will help you get to the next level is relationships and the relationships of meeting people that down the road who see you as an asset will go out of their way to help get you into that company. And that's why it's like, I know people are like, oh, seminars, waste of money, tryout camps, waste of money. Everything's a waste of money because you may be not good enough. And the most important thing to try to get picked up by one of the major companies is being seen. Now, FSW, we make it easy to be seen. Because of 13 years of building what we have, people saw that we were bringing in top talent that wasn't just from Las Vegas because there wasn't barely any at the time. So you would bring in people and then you would look at our heavyweight champions. Oh, Brian Cage. Even a Mike Modest. Yeah. Across. And Eli Drake, as the time went down, a, a Hammerstone. Well, how did Hammerstone sow his oats? Well, he got to wrestle guys like Brian Cage. And he got to wrestle guys like Eli Drake. And he got to wrestle guys like Kevin Cross when he was coming up. What about Kevin Cross? Well, he got to wrestle the Chris Masters. He got to wrestle a Kenny King. He got to wrestle a Timothy Thatcher. Because FSW will bring in talent for the talented. The higher level you are in FSW, the better matches you're going to get. Hey, Matt Vandergriff, love to work TJP. Hey, TJP, he lives in town. Hey, can you do me a deal? Hey, Matt's like, hey, you know what? Don't even worry about paying me. If I need to kick in some money, let me know. I want to match with TJP. And I'm like, well, it's going to be a great match. And I can get him at a discounted rate because TJ likes us. He helps train with us. He's friends with a lot of the people because it's, the relationships that have been made the relationship we made when Jeff Jarrett and Sanjay Dutt had global force, got Kevin cross to be looked at by Sanjay Dutt and Jeff Jarrett, which led to him getting signed by impact. It led Sanjay Dutt to seeing Hammerstone and getting him on impact wrestling at the time. It was him now moving on to the WWE and having a show in Vegas and Chris Bay shows up and they're looking for a pre-show match to, or a 205 live match against uh, Aria Davari. And yeah. Sanjay Dutt was like, there wasn't, there wasn't a question of who it was going to be. It was like, uh, Chris Bay, get him in here. He's going to have the match signed, right. sealed and delivered because he knew who Chris Bay was. Right. Not because of anything I did other than, Conjured the relationship with Impact. We did the tryouts. We did that. So despite not being part of the tryout, 
Chris Bay was still known by our people and their people. And then he got looked at and he wrestled, I believe it was Daga on the Impact show like a month before. And it's like, man, 50-50, all this stuff. They're going to sign him. Well, you know, we're trying to see. I talked to Scott Diamore. All of a sudden, he shows up on fucking 205 Live and literally gets an offer the next day. Yeah. And it was all because of the relationships. And the more people you meet, the better your opportunities become. So when Hammerstone is in MLW and he sees a guy that he thinks, man, this is the fucking guy can't miss. Do you really think he's not going to go to Court Bauer and MLW and said, hey, take a look at this? Or right. I said, hey, Conan, I think you would really like Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff. We're going to do a tryout, and I'm going to put them in a match against each other because I think there's something for them in your company. He saw them, boom, they got, they got signed, and they were wrestling the AAA shows in Tijuana. To where actually before we even put him together, he was putting them together as a tag team. Right. Now that opportunity, would it have come? Probably not. Because what would Matt Vandegrift do? He would have sent the tape to Conan, possibly, email, just like a thousand other people. Right. How many of them is he going to go through? I remember yeah. Sanjay Dutt needed a tag team. And at that one point, me and Remy Marcel were not seeing eye to eye. He was doing other things. He kind of got back into the mix. And it was like, hey, can you do me a favor? And Sanjay was looking for a tag team. And I sent him a little little stuff on uh, the Whirlwind Gentleman. He's like, oh, I love these guys. And he used them on the show. They had a job out to the Bollywood boys. But they got put on Global Force Wrestling. Yeah. And it was like they had sent the tape or whatever they had to do to Sanjay, but there's a million tapes to look through. You're not going to look through them. It's the same thing with me. You don't. You know how many guys that I have personally used because of another wrestler recommending them? I say it all the time with the Santino brothers. It's from one to the other to the other to the other. Right. And – Despite the fact I get stuff from other people that sometimes may be good, sometimes may be terrible, whatever it is. But when Hammerstone says, hey, there's a guy, and then I get an email right after that from, from Dom in Arizona. Hey, we have a guy class. We saw your new talent initiative. I think he would be great for your show. He's already booked. I don't have to look at any footage of him because – there are people that I trust who go out and say, hey, by the way, uh, what was it? Uh, Chris Nasty. This guy is from Santino. He's messaged me a few different times. Remy hits me up. Hey, bro, next time during Future Shock, see if you can find a spot for this guy. Because he knows his word means something. Right. Turned out Chris Nasty got fucked up and he got hurt. And now he's got uh, he's going to be out for a while. But that's how I got to use a Cameron Gates. Hey, I need a no limits guy. I'm doing this, blah, 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 the other thing. And then between Matt Vandergriff and Jay Vidal, they're the ones going on the West Coast. Hey, who, who's this young guy that might be coming in uh, that might be coming up and looking good? And Cameron Gates was the guy. And then we brought him in a few times and looks really good. Yeah. And there's another one on Future Shock we're going to use. Uh, 
Primo Henio, I believe his name is. <laughs> and he came to the show at the Mecca. And I have no idea who he was. And then during the show, as I'm backstage, Dom comes up to me, who happened to make the, make the show, Dom Vitale, you know, PCW Arizona. Yep. And he goes, hey, I just want to let you know, I personally vouch for this guy. I know he wants to work for you if you can get a spot. So I looked at his stuff beforehand. Seemed all right, but I didn't study it. I didn't go through every nitpick and everything. But now I booked him for the next two shows on the 3rd and the 17th. Because I'm confident enough that enough people have told me he's good that I will now use him on the shows. Yeah. So how I got Johnny Robbie. People are like, hey, she's really good. Okay, checked her out. Looked really good because she couldn't make the show. She came in, very impressed with her. So yeah. I have her booked, and she's actually going to work the 17th, and she's going to work the uh, New Year's Eve show. I'm like, hey, just so you know, the 31st is New Year's Eve. There's a lot of times people have things to do. I don't want you to be confused because there's no way I'm getting you a room. They're like $800 in Vegas. <laughs> Um, and that's a, a good uh, segue there, too. Um, after Against All Odds on December 3rd, uh, you'll be doing a future shock at the arena. And then on the 17th, a uh, high octane at uh, the FSW arena. And then, of course, the New Year's Eve show will be at the FSW arena as well. Um, last year, New Year's Eve show, you had the Iron Man match between Vandegrift and Damian Drake. That timed out perfectly right at the uh, countdown of the new year. And people say uh, I don't start on time, huh? <laughs> well, the question is, um, is that something you might be looking at doing as kind of an annual match, uh, you know, at the end of the year, right at midnight in terms of uh, two guys uh, or two tag teams doing a uh, Ironman match for that last hour of the year? Nope. <laughs> not really. You know, if it makes sense, again, I'm not going to do something just in Halloween. You try to do the stuff with the casket. That's kind of easy to do. Right. But a Iron Man match, man, you really need to be invested in these two guys. Sure. And we think very quickly because of their success as the tag team, the turn uh, with the unguided that the cage match and then we did the steel cage match uh it, i think that was the anniversary that was after the anniversary i would think yeah, yeah. there was no escape obviously. there was no escape right because we moved no escape up instead of in january we did it in december and right. then we were able to do or november whatever it was but it, it led us into that but an iron you know doing an iron man match and say Hey everybody, we're gonna do Bodie and Braxton in a in an Iron Man match. I I don't know if there's excitement in seeing that. Number right. number one, you have to have two high high level wrestlers. Right. Like Hammerstone can wrestle in an Iron Man match a thousand percent. If he wrestled a cross in an Iron Man match, I think people would really really be invested in that. But sure. To just have a guy he hasn't wrestled before and say, hey, everybody, it's going to be Hammerstone and Sam Adonis in an Ironman match. It'd be like, huh? Like, why, why would that be necessary? 
Like right. it needs to be necessary. It's the styling of the wrestler you are. Is that gimmick match a last man standing? Is it a false count anywhere? Is it a no DQ? Is it a ladder match? Is it a strap match? Is it an Iron Man match? Like an Iron Man match is is far and few in between. You right. know, we've done a couple of 30-minute ones. Uh, I believe we did one. It was when Jack Manley beat Saiku for the No Limits Championship. <laughs> or it was, actually, I think it might have been Jack Manley and Bryce Harrison. Mm. And that was when Jacob Austin Young turned to align with Bryce Harrison. And I think that was the Iron Man match. That was a 30-minute match. And that was probably seven years ago. So we hadn't done one of those in an extremely long time. Yeah. And if we uh, did do it, it was 30 minutes. So that was the first time in 13 years. And I was going to do 30 minutes. They, they, you know, they wanted to prove to me that they could do 60-minute Ironman match. And my, my problem was... Man, on New Year's Eve, are the fans going to want to give a fuck about a 60-man Ironman match? And after 60 minutes, I felt like there was probably 20 20 minutes left because they floated so well that timing wasn't even an issue to me. No, no. That actually was um, about as professional as you could get in terms of if you're watching that match, it – it never felt like it dragged at any point. It never felt like it was an hour. Um, so that's that's why I was curious on on your thoughts on how you utilize that match because um, it really worked out nicely for that particular show. Yeah, um, no, I was a thousand percent. Yeah, uh, is there is there anything is there anything special that you would do knowing that it is New Year's Eve and and you've done this now? Uh, Two, two years now, right? The New Year's Eve show? Yeah, we did two New Year's Eve shows. Um, is there anything that you look at that you go, okay, how can we make this a little more special to get the fans in there because there is so much you know, choice out here in Vegas on New Year's Eve? Um, or is it just kind of like, you know, almost like uh, the Halloween show in a sense where it's, you know, doing it for the fans and uh, for the guys and, you know, just to kind of have a, a little family celebration. Uh, you know, what, what is it about that show that you look at that's a little bit more special to get people in? We, we don't, it, it's, we're, we look at it as initially, you know what, who, who wants to, I think my wife worked, you know, till, till, you know, midnight anyway. And it was like, well, I'm not doing nothing on New Year's. And even if she was home, I wouldn't really be doing anything. We'd be sitting home. You know, right. you're not going to go out to the, you know, go on the strip or any crazy shit like that. So it's like, hey, you know, thinking, what if we do in a New Year's Eve show? And then, of course, the first three people we bring it to is the wrestlers. Like, hey, you know, we're thinking wrestling show on New Year's Eve. And, oh, I'm in. Oh, I'm in. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We're like, we built a good brand of people. I think because we did the first one, I believe in 2020, because that was before the pandemic. We didn't do the one in 2021, 
And then no. we did it again in 2022. No, so it'd be, it'd be 19. 19 was the first one. 20 was the pandemic. No, but the pandemic was March of 2020. Right. So, so January 1st, 2020, we did it. Right. Well, okay. I see. What and I was going on. Oh, yeah. The 19th into the 20. Right. Right. Okay. I got and you. now, and we did the 20, 21 into 22. 22. Right. And now that, right. But the idea was okay, now that we, we got a good response from wrestlers. So we're going to have a decent enough card. And that was the most important thing. And yeah. then, secondly, was like, hey, the regular fans, the Jamies and Freds and Georges and, and the Chiefs and all that crew, you know, more of our fans are, are, are older than 25 years old. So they probably weren't going to do much on new year's Eve. So to them it was like, Oh yeah, we're in. And it was like, Oh shit. We'll probably do all right. We'll probably get 60, 70 people. And it was more like 150 people because Damian Drake and, his family and friends were coming and now because it was mainly a local show because again i can't bring somebody in from out of town on new year's eve and get him a room so they're gonna wrestle at nine o'clock show they're wrestling at 11 where are they going they're gonna be in the middle of the highway at midnight (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so it's like we generally used a lot of the locals who brought some of their family and friends to come. We, you know, did the champagne toast and, and we had it as it was a get together of friends. You know, a lot of people have, have their friends over their house to celebrate new year's Eve. We had our friends come to the FSW arena and and celebrate. And, and we saw even after a year off and we did it again last year that we had a really good turnout. Now, we couldn't do it at Silver Nugget for 500 people, and that's fine. Right. You know, we're fun for the whole family. We're fun for 50 people, and we're fun for 500 people. And right. that that's what makes us successful because we know we open the doors, there's going to be a decent amount of people that are going to come in anyway. And right. then it's like, oh, okay. Hey, if we got to get the vet ticks, we probably even got a few of those guys to come in. And the veterans came in and spent some time and checked out the wrestling show. So I'm not looking at it as, oh, we made this amount of money. We made that amount of money. You know, we do it for the love of the game, and we make money. It's great. And, of course, we want to make money, and we try to budget things to not lose money. But a show like this, whether it makes money or not, we're going to do it every year if we can. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a good time. So if uh, you're in Vegas and you don't have uh, the plans of going to, you know, the strip, which is crazy, um, you know, being that it's the FSW arena also makes it f- fairly accessible too, uh, where you're not running into, you know, crazy areas of town. So that's right, option. right, right. Where is it to locate? You know, you, yeah. if you you don't have to get on the highway, you can flop over a road. You might have to go all the way down to like uh, Warm Springs to to cross if you're on the other side of the of the strip. But right. again, you know, it's okay. I've already, as I said, Johnny Robbie's going to be on the show. I got a commitment from Vandegrift, so he'll be on the show. And you know, I can't believe a Damian Drake, uh, you know, Remy. 
you know, take our top 15 guys and I guarantee you eight or 10 will be on the show. Right. Like a TBD. Hey, they work the nightclub scene. So I'm going to assume they're not going to be able to make it. I always knew Ice Williams. We had talked and, you know, they work the nightclub scene. And right. odds are they won't be there because if you work in a nightclub, that's the biggest night of the year. Right. So nobody's taking it off to rock a wrestling show. But a lot of other people, if you're not in the nightclub scene, you don't work in the hotels, you're probably not working at midnight on, on New Year's Eve. Right. So, you know, it's a great opportunity. Uh, and also puts you in the good graces when you're a younger kid and you're struggling to get on shows and maybe you only get on Future Shock. There's probably going to be a couple for younger guys on a New Year's show because, as I said, we're not using other than maybe one or two out of state guys instead of seven or eight. Right. Like, you know, I, I can't imagine the Arizona guys, you know, unless something, unless they got something special going on, they're going to make the shows because they want to be wrestlers. They want to wrestle for FSW. So if this is a, an outlet for them to get on a big show, because it is one of our bigger FSW arena shows. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll have some major announcements on, you know, who's going to be there for that event. And again, uh, as we kind of get close to wrapping up here this week, uh, against all odds is this Sunday, the 20th, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Again, there's uh, pre-show matches. What's going on with the uh, – is it uh, – four tag teams in the pre-show match? Yeah, the pre-show match is going to feature uh, two guys that know each other, two teams that know each other really well, Sky High and the Suavecitos, uh, a team that we were very impressed with from Arizona that worked a couple months ago, the Regulators, EJ Sparks and uh, Thugnificent, and uh, a team who's been pretty successful uh, just being put together recently, the new MK Army of uh, Kevin Koa and AJ Mana. So it's going to be a big test uh, for those guys. It's a big test for a team like Sky High and the Suavecitos. The MK Army, there's some big boys. So, yeah. you know, there's some tough guys. So that's it's going to be an interesting, you know, Sky High and the Regulators had a match. But they're also very, very good. So we're definitely looking yeah. forward to that. Uh, we just announced that the No Limits title will now be on the line in a triple threat match. It'll be Matt Vandegrift versus former No Limits champion Funny Bone and former everything champion of every company he worked for, Davey Richards. So we're definitely yeah, looking forward to that special attraction match as well as Viva Van defending against Maserati and... Uh, Nick Xander returns from his suspension against the guy who returns from his uh, self-imposed exile almost 18 months, Nick Bugatti. Yeah, it's some really nice uh, matches that you have, you know, mixed in between the Battle Royal. Sorry, the Rumble and, yeah. <laughs> and the uh, main event. Uh, Maserati... Viva Van, are the fans going to uh, be be in Maserati's corner a little bit since uh, she's been gone away for a while? Or do you think that she'll still have that uh, 
nails on the chalkboard uh, <laughs> reaction, you know, that the fans have to her. Um, she's fascinating because she's grown so much and she's a local, but she's such a good heel. Um, what happens if she gets the love instead of the, uh, the heat? Well, uh, everything is possible. You know, Viva Van got no love until all of a sudden they loved her. So there was no rhyme or reason. The last time those guys or girls were in the ring together was at the Battle of the Sexes, and they were on the same team, Viva Van and Maserati. Yeah. And I'm pretty certain that was the last time we've seen Maserati. It was, yeah. So you're talking... Her and Bugatti, most about a year and a half, have been away. Yeah, no longer the power couple of FSW, but it's interesting that they're both uh, debuting once again or re-debuting at the same time. Same time. Maybe they rekindle things. Who knows? (laughs) FSW has been known to be a matchmaker. (laughs) Uh, With uh, Nick Xander getting an opportunity to wrestle Bugatti. Um, you know, obviously he was suspended by FSW, but Nick has, you know, kept up appearances at other places uh, throughout the West Coast. Yeah, that prick Mike Rain wouldn't have the uh, suspension stand up at Best of the West. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, does... D- does that help uh, Xander when you look at what he's been able to accomplish in, you know, a two-year time span or so, um, getting those opportunities uh, at like Best of the West uh, in Arizona as well? Um, how 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 do you see his growth, and where does he fit in? Because he's becoming a, a bigger deal now. Uh, than he was just a year ago. How does he fit into FSW in the overall picture? Well, he he's definitely one of our stronger baby faces to where he is genuinely loved by a lot of people. And, you know, he's progressed extremely well, and he's had success and, and championships in other companies. I think right now in in FSW's world, I think he is a a top contender. But, you know, I think he still has time to grow. Because, you know, look at who our champions are. It took Gregory Sharp years. Gregory Sharp took almost 10 years to become a champion in FSW. You know, being a champion in FSW is a big fucking deal. Yeah. We, We don't have nine or 10 no limits champions a year. We don't have eight tag team champions a year. Guys, when they win the belts, a lot of times they hold on to them for a good amount of time. Sure. There's going to be people who have a few, few month reign. And you also got to remember, we run more shows than other companies. Right. So it makes the value of the belt even more because we do run more shows. Right. A guy like Matt Vandergriff in a three month period could defend the belt seven, eight times. Right. While in a lot of other companies, they're running once a month. If they're running once a month, more like every six to eight weeks, 
hey, I've been the champion over here for six months. And it's like, yeah, and you wrestled three times. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's weird that we, we run more shows, but the champions still hold on to the belts longer. Right. It's like you, you, you really have to be deserving and you really have to earn that championship. We don't just bounce around the belt because it's fun to bounce around the belt. Right. You know, Matt Vandergriff, you, you got to be at the top of your game to beat him. Jay Vidal was at the top of his game. There wasn't many people that the fans would have looked at and said, oh, yeah, he, he could beat Jay Vidal. Oh, he could beat Jay Vidal. Most people were probably the only ones saying that was, yeah, Matt Vandergriff, he could beat Jay Vidal. You know, that, right. that's a match we'd want to see. And Matt Vandergriff goes in and, yeah, Eli Everfly, I think he could beat Matt Vandergriff. I think he beat him before. But the thing is, you know, Matt is firing at all cylinders. I I genuinely look to put a belt on someone and make them a champion when I think they are primed for a big run. And – they're not inconsistent in their performances. Right. Matt Vandergriff had a very long line of outstanding matches. But you also got to remember he was a tag champion who had to give up the belt. Right. So different position to where he he was ready and he was getting, you know, and again, that injury to Damian Drake could be the best thing that ever happened to Matt Vandergriff. Yeah. Because where would he be today? Same thing with Jay Vidal if Parada didn't just up and quit. Right. Wouldn't still be in a tag. You know, we saw a lot of singles potential in Jay Vidal. But would Jay Vidal have moved? Because right. Jay Vidal had a year of success. Well, what if that year was only three months because he was in a tag team and then we finally decided to break him off? And then he didn't start his No Limits title run till three months before he lost a van instead of a year before. You know, it's right. crazy to think of this matrix world of where people would have been if this changed, that changed, or the other thing changed. Right. I need to go to yeah. 03 next month to find out what would have happened. <laughs> uh, any final words for uh, the listeners as we uh, wrap up this week? You know, once again, we return to the Silver Nugget, the uh, Hefe Event Center, the Hefe Bet Event Center. Sorry. Uh, I'm hoping that the Hefe Event Bet Center allows us to put up odds of against all odds. <laughs> because I could go under a pseudonym and actually make a lot of money on a show <laughs> by betting it. So, but showtime's five o'clock. We got a, a star-studded event with uh, uh, a huge contingent of, of stars that I'm looking forward to seeing again in, in FSW. Always fun to have the 30-man rumble, get to see some fresh faces. Uh, you know, my guy D-Mart, always a fan of the rumble that, uh, last year. Hadn't seen him in a couple of years, bought tickets, and he ended up buying like 20 tickets. And had him and his, his crew. Well, this year he doubled it. He's up to 39 tickets wow. that uh, he's got people coming 
uh, to sit and, and cheer on for the Rumble. So looking forward to that. Still some front rows available. Uh, we got some great sponsors, you know, Garth and Finley Mazda, once again, sponsoring the main event. Uh, somebody sponsoring the women's match. Offhand, again, think of the name. But we'll mention it numerous times at the show, so no need to worry. So, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it. We got D'Lo back on commentary, so I can, you know, I can yell at somebody once they fuck up instead of having to wait till after the show. That's you know, I'm gonna land base Davy Richards if he misses a spot. You know what I mean? I think what we need to do is uh get some kind of camera that you can wear and just have it record because I think that's one of the most interesting things is watching you just fly around the, the arena the whole show and deal with shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey. It's not as easy a job as people would like to make it out to believe. <laughs> Plus I'm running the door. Right. So stop right. by and say hello and uh you know, say you heard me on the podcast. There I'll you give go. you a shout out. That's right. Yeah. Well, it, Joe will shout out everyone who mentions the podcast at the door. He'll uh, shout you out next week. So, uh make Joe keep a list of people. That's right. I like lists. Yeah, um, it should be a, a spectacular show. Um, it's going to be uh, really fun to see what happens with the Rumble and what the match ends up being that Hammerstone has. So uh, definitely check it out. And again, Fight TV fourteen ninety nine, uh, and the uh, special of get a month free of the FSW Network. Yeah, all you got to do is message us. Send me an email with your uh, receipt. And we'll get you locked and loaded. There you go. So check that uh, special out as well. And uh, until next week, everyone, hopefully uh, you'll uh, get uh, to see the show. And uh, next week we'll uh, talk about uh, how it went. And, uh, you know, again, just try to uh, enjoy your week and relax this weekend with a little FSW on Sunday. Everyone take care and have a great week.